Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who is a Black American who sadly lost their life during the COVID-19 pandemic. So without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest today. Uh, my name is Sean Walters. I am from Brooklyn, New York. And do you identify as Black? And what's your ancestry? I do. Uh, my family uh, came here from the Caribbean, um, uh, so in relation to Barbados, Jamaica. My great-grandfather was from Trinidad, so yeah, all, all, uh, all Caribbean. Wow. So would you say you're Caribbean-American or Black-American? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I think in order it would probably be New York, Caribbean, and then <laughs> American. But uh, yeah, um, Black, Caribbean-American definitely works. Thank you. And I'm really excited to interview you today because you had such, I, from, from my perspective, you had an amazing experience during the pandemic. So I'd like uh, to share. So for those listening, we're going to start with Sean Walters' Instagram and then toggle to his website with his amazing photography. And he'll walk us through 2020, 2021, 2022. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Um, so in 2020, in the beginning of the lockdown, I, you know, was just doing what everybody else was doing, like tending to my sourdough starter and garden and all of that, that good stuff, and uh, um, you know, binge watching television. Uh, and then you know the the Floyd video came out, and uh, you know I, I had uh, for a long time always gone out to to protest actions and photograph them, but I never really you know I never really you know, post them. It was more just, you know, a, 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 you know, a thing I did for myself personally. Um, the first protest that I photographed was actually when I was in college. It was in 1996 um, or 1997, around there. And it was a, uh, it was also a, uh, a police brutality protest. So um, when the protest started to happen, uh, because of COVID, I was a little reticent to go outside, you know, so a lot wasn't known about how much transition could happen outside, and I was, you know, trying to be cautious, and I mean, I was also significantly older now <laughs> than when, you know, I first started out going to these actions, so I, you know, it was kind of my, you know, my, the idea for me was like, the kids got it, you know, it, it's it's going to be okay, they seem to be, you know, out there in their hands, and then, um, I just started seeing more and more reports of like you know vicious brutality uh, with these uh, protesters and um, and then like the the curfews started to happen and I was like you know I was like it, it felt more like an all hands on deck situation so I, you know I got my stuff together and you know loaded up my you know 
backpack like a doomsday prepper and you know had all of the the uh, purell and the wipes and the ma extra masks and and so on and so forth and started to go out and photograph actions um uh that were happening in new york city wow i remember you did post on instagram the contents of your backpack and you're saying if anyone needs a mask like where to find you and that might have been the, the beginning of Beginning in twenty twenty. Yeah, it, I mean, it was it was somewhere in there. I did see a lot of you know people who were who were running around without them, and I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> like we're we're out here and we're doing the doing the work, but we also have to like you know keep everybody safe and 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 each other, uh, obviously. So, uh, but yeah, but I, I initially was going out to um, uh, you know actions that were happening in. Um, you know the the Barclays area, uh, Crown Heights. I was keeping it mostly to Brooklyn um, when I when I first started out. Um, you know, because of transportation and you know access and, and so on and so forth. And I actually knew some of the people that were starting up actions in and around uh, you know those areas. So I connected with them and you know started um, uh, during the first week of June. So I'm, so as an outsider, when I was watching your Instagram, and I should have clicked to your website because the, the photographs are larger, um, I saw that you went to the George Floyd protests. So the when, which month did you go there? Oh, are you, do you, do you, you mean in Minneapolis? Yeah. Was I didn't, I went to Minneapolis um, in... 2021. Oh, this is Brooklyn. Yes, oh. that's Brooklyn. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Brooklyn in June 2020. Um, the it was a, there was an artist who, uh, with the help of a local printer, made all of the uh, the George Floyd signs with the different colors, and I saw a group of, of guys uh, uh, on Grand Army Plaza holding this poster, and they all knelt down and. and uh, let me take a picture, and that was one of the, that was one of the, that was the, I think the first picture I posted of, uh, of the protests happening in Brooklyn. Okay, so this is July 6th of 2020, Right, so that was, right, so that was actually from June, but I, you know, I was a little slow on the posting, that was, you know, it's, <laughs> it was all happening, but like, it was all in my archive, and then I started to like, you know, try to catch up. But I was never, I wasn't really posting everything in real time. Yeah. Uh, I was, you know, doing live videos and, you know, some stuff I would post in real time if it was, if it was a necessity in the moment. Um, but, you know, I had a good, like, you know, a couple week backlog of images that I was getting uh, out when I had a chance. Because I was, I was actually going out so much when I was dead tired coming home at night. So I didn't, you know, <laughs> I didn't have uh, it in me to, to try to, like, you know, process out and post the images every, every night. Um, yeah. So some of the stuff started a little bit later uh, on Instagram um, uh, than when it was shot. So, okay, so this is Brooklyn. And then there's a picture of a girl pulling her mask down. Is this also in Brooklyn? Yeah, that was also, that okay. was the same, oh. you know, these pictures are from the same yeah, action. Right. It's just, you know, just different, different views and different people reacting to, you know, what was, um, what was going on. Because when did, when was George Floyd murdered? Was it that month? It was, it was, the, the video was, uh, no, it wasn't that month, it was May. Uh, the video was released in May, and and everyone 
you know, obviously saw the horror of that. I never actually watched the video because um, I don't really, I don't really, yeah. um, I don't watch, you know, um, I, you know, I definitely have not watched the Tyree Nichols video. Yeah. You know, recently, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name, but like, you know, police killed a double amputee. Um, and, what? you know, like, I didn't, you know, I haven't watched that video either. You know, so, like, the, you know, the, the, you know, obviously we all knew what happened and we, we saw, I read the transcripts, like, you know, I heard, so, um, I didn't really watch, I didn't need to, to, to watch it to know that, like, you know, I wanted to be part of, you know, trying to change all this. Oh, I had to look at, I hadn't heard about this. Six days ago, police killing a double amputee in a wheelchair in Los Angeles. Right, the okay. man who's trying to walk away, he, he jumped out of the chair and was trying to walk away from the cops and was, uh, was murdered. Oh my goodness. All right. Yeah. So, you know, these, these you know, photographs are, are basically of the, you know, the start of uh, the moment. These, these um, initial ones are centered around, uh, you know, Crown Heights, Prospect Heights, and, um, you know, those areas. Because Barclay, Barclay Center was a central meeting place. Uh, for a lot of these actions and then you know it started to sort of like pick up all over the city um uh i started to you know pick up actions that were happening all over the city i went to uh this uh one in coney island um that was down the boardwalk and then you know juneteenth there were actions all up and down manhattan and from brooklyn to manhattan you know taking over the bridge and you know, the, there was, you know, uh, there were you know, black queer rights protests happening that day, um, and and so on. So this, you know, the the those were all leading up to a, a budget vote at City Hall, which was important because City Hall became a, an autonomous zone um, f- um, where you know protesters had sort of a uh, built a. A, um, a a place that was you know central to you know the uh, movement of resisting you know um, more money you know going to police and less for care of people you know people were there you know trying to you know help um, you know homeless people and <clears throat> build a space where you know they could be fed and housed and safe um, and even though it was outdoors in the park like you know tents were built and. You know, just trying to have a place where like people could get um, get help, and it was also you know a it was you know initially started though to bring attention to the budget vote that was you know going to you know award so much more of our money to <clears throat> these police structures that don't help communities, um, and then you know the budget vote we all know how the budget vote went and it you know did not go the way of you know, helping communities, it went to uh, funding more police. And then, you know, eventually the police raided and, you know, broke down that place. But, like, you know, the the people who were there were, were still out in the streets after that and trying to, um, uh, you know, resist and, and, and help to bring attention to, you know, greater attention to the scourge of police brutality. But you can see, you know, that there were tons and tons and tons of people there um, up until that June thirtieth vote, and um, and you you know you see 
that like it didn't stop. People kept coming out the streets and, and being around for after. Wow, these are gorgeous, and they're in black and white. And it looks like some people were wearing masks, some weren't wearing masks. Sure, yeah, I mean, I, uh, outside, you know, some people stopped. Um, and, you know, we started to find out that, like, you know, the COVID was not as transmissible in open air as it was, even though if you were close talking to somebody who still wanted to wear a mask, like, you were just a lot safer being outside than you were in. So, um, <clears throat> but, you know, people were also wearing masks. Uh, to, you know, sort of escape the surveillance um, of protesters by police. Because, you know, they were certainly, you know, surveilling people and and uh, using masks to stop that. Now, these next set of photos after the... Um, uh, after the uh, budget vote, uh, this, uh, the um, process at City Hall um, were of some of the first, uh, you know, black trans rights uh, actions I went to. And this was actually a really sort of important part of the entirety of the movement for me. You know, sort of realizing, I feel like, you know, we need to always think about centering those among us who need the most help and, you know, secure their rights in order for everybody to have their rights secured. You know, um, you know, in... To, to use an analogy, like, you know, people talk about trickle-down economics, you know, being a pyramid. You know, I think in terms of civil rights, like, that pyramid needs to be inverted, and we need to think about, you know, the majority of people who need the most help, and getting them what they need will make sure that, and I you know, believe that make, uh, that getting them what they need will assure that the rest of us will have what we do. Um, and, you know, helping and fighting for... Um, uh, 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 black queer and trans people, um, black women became sort of a linchpin of what you know we we're all talking about in terms of trying to achieve that. Wow, these are great. Yeah, there were. I mean, part of you know the you know the 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 bulk of <clears throat> part of I mean, part of the actions in 2020 were also counter protest actions where you saw a lot of pro police, pro Trump. Uh, uh, people um, making um, themselves heard as well, but you know, in the manner that they do. And uh, so, uh, that particular uh, action was a Bay Ridge action where a small group of counter protesters uh, had um, pro um, defunding and abolition signs at a, you know, a Trump protests and they were surrounded, they were spat on, they were, uh, you know, racial epithets were used um, by these protesters. So, you know, everybody came out, went to Bay Ridge and counter-protested in, in, in large numbers a, uh, an action that was, um, was pro-police and those are the, those are the images of that, that day. I forgot that there were counter-protests. Sure, yeah. Wow. Because at the time, people were people were being evicted. Because I remember they finally shut down. There were no service jobs. Restaurants were closed. And as a result, some people were able to pay their rent. Sure. That's right. And I remember the governor had to stay on evictions. Yes. I forgot about that. Which, so, like, a part of the, you know, part of, you know, the beauty of 2020 was also the police brutality protests 
lending numbers to um, other you know fights that need to be fought for communities and part of that was um, were, were the the, the um, eviction protests because the the governor um, really needed to be pushed to extend the um, eviction moratoriums during 2020 which I mean to, to even think about that now the fact that it had to be like a fight for them to extend that moratorium is insane like um, but it, it, it is true and the, and the fight continues because you know New York politics is obviously rife with money and a lot of that money comes from real estate and you know the, they do not want to give people security in their housing and thus security in their lives you know the dollar is more important yeah Wow, you're bringing this back. Oh, someone was on roller skates. Yeah, there, you know, there are a lot of characters out there. Some people, you know, there's a, that that you know, person uh, went to a lot of action with roller skates. This was that was at the the um, um, at city hall as well. City hall, yeah. They were doing the uh, electric slide. On the electric slide. Yeah. Well, these are great. Abolition Park. This is. Is this Pride? Or was Pride was canceled that year? Right? No, it wasn't. Uh, no, Pride wasn't. I mean, Pride wasn't canceled. Like the uh, the official corporatized version of Pride was was canceled. But um, but you know there was Pride, and actually it was it was uh, that was a day that the police also got um, um, called out because of course you know they went to. Uh, this and they were harassing and beating people like that day um, at Pride, and it's just like there's just no control over this, and the fact that people think that it can be reformed is just is is, is just folly. But the Brooklyn Museum was also a jump off point um, for a lot of great actions too. We had one of the you know the biggest one of the biggest uh, marches of all of 2020 was a, a a trans Pride march that jumped off from there, where everybody wore white and marched down. From Red Army Plaza to Flavish Avenue, it's just a sea of people. You know, they saw it from the, the helicopter shots, and it was, it was really a beautiful action. But there were also um, there was also an action there where um, you know black women organizers got together and you know had a you know an action basically calling for greater support of of black women for the reason I was talking about before. It's like you know we need to you know look at you know who are you know the the you know the people that need the most help and help them first. Um, you know if you want to think about it in terms of you know gender and race, you know you look at like you know there's always this talk um, in you know um, feminist circles or white circles I should say about how you know um, women make X amount of cents on the dollar, and I think what what is the, what's the number? Uh, oh. It's usually, it's, it's, is it 70, is it 82 I cents? I'm going to look it up. Well, you know, well, for all of it. 82 cents right. for every dollar a man earns. But right, but what is, what is not sort of spoken about in that number is that it's 82 cents for white women. For black women, it's something like 62 cents. Oh, wow. Yeah, black Americans earn 30%. Right. Oh, so, and what's also not spoken about in that number is that, you know, um, like black and Latino men make something like uh, I think 73 cents so you know it's just like you know 
in, in talking about in talking about things and the way that we structure how we are trying to, you know, fight these battles, we have to look at the real deal and not what is perceived to be. You know, because you know, if you're if we're going to talk about economy being the thing that sort of, you know, lets people um, you know lead safer, better lives, then why are we talking primarily when we talk about you know women making less money? Why are we talking about women who make the most out of you know all the women aggrieved in this situation? You know, so why is that eighty-two cents figure the figure that we talk about and not the sixty-two cents figure? That's pretty good. I just thought U.S. Department of Labor law. So Hispanic, for every dollar that white men earn, Hispanic, oh, it's not saying they're men or women, Hispanics earn 55 cents on the dollar. Indigenous Americans earn 60 cents on the dollar. Black people earn 63 cents on the dollar. Non-Hispanic white people earn 78 cents on the dollar. And Asians earn 87 cents on the dollar. And that's averaged too. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I mean, in the in the um, in in the workplace, obviously, even in all of those groups, men make more than women. I think, except for and, and it's and it's sort of a pretty significant gap. I think, except for Asian people, whereas the gap is much smaller. Um, but you know, it's still it's still like you're 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 looking at it and you're looking you know the way that we frame all of the things that we need to, um, you know, to work on is, you know, is, is from, is not from a place of looking at who needs the most. You know, even when we talk about, you know, even when we talk about the, the, you know, the fight to, and, you know, police brutality, um, and, you know, and, over policing in black communities and so on and so forth, we generally talk about men who we who were killed by police. We center men who were killed by police, and you know to the point where you know black women had to come up with a slogan, um, which is "Say Her Name." Yeah. That is supposed to be that hashtag was supposed to be for black women, for black women who've been killed. And even in that, like, you know, when the Floyd process started happening, Say His Name became one of, like, the leading chants that were happening. And that was supposed to be particularly for black women, like, you know, Sandra Bland and others who were murdered by police. Um, Not even to mention, you know, black trans women and so on who have have been uh, murdered and aggrieved by police as well. I was trying to find the list because so many people, so many black people were killed during the pandemic that I can't, like Breonna Taylor, Tamir mm-hmm. Rice, but I can't, there's so many, I can't remember all of them. Was Tamir Rice during? Oh, oh, I thought Tamir Rice was before. Oh, was before? Yeah, I mean, it was, it made like, you know, Breonna Taylor, um, I think Sandra Bland was before the pandemic Sandra also. Bland, yeah. But, um, there's a Someone is holding a sign. Yeah, Tamir. Oh, Trayvon. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Trayvon was way before also. You know, yeah. um, you know there are there are people who had signs for um, for um, uh, uh, the man who was killed in Staten Island over the cigarettes. So I don't know why I'm blanking on his name oh. right now. Um, but right, the, the 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 Black Lives you know essentially Black Lives Matter was born out of the the. Uh, 
fight over those killings. Um, you know, Kai Gurley also. Um, this, these, those were all pre-pandemic. Um, Eric Garner. Eric Garner. Yeah, right. that's yeah. right. He was killed for selling loose cigarettes. Yeah. Back in 2014. Yeah, clearly I know that name. I, I, you know, uh, saying at that, that Brooklyn uh, Museum um, action where uh, black women were speaking about you know those needs, like you know Eric Garner's mother spoke, and she's still pretty active in terms of coming to huh. um, and speaking at these these uh, these actions to get people to you know try to get up and do something. So now I'm just looking at when. So Breonna Taylor was murdered March of 2020. Yes. I was trying to remember because so many people yeah. were murdered. I mean, Ahmaud Arbery, like we were talking about earlier, Ahmaud Arbery was actually killed before George Floyd, but the one of the people that was responsible for his death did not release the uh, the video that they had of the altercation. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, you know, it was really crazy that that person did that. You know, they were really thinking that. Um, you know, imagine white supremacy is so steeped in you that you believe a video of you and your friends and someone is going to exonerate you. Uh, but, you know, that was the case. And so, you know, the, the video of George Floyd was released first and everybody saw the horror of it, you know. But it, you know, I'd imagine that if that video was released before, it would have been, you know, Maude Arbery. You're right, Ahmad Arbery was killed in February of 2020. Yeah. Um, I, didn't, I didn't realize it was before George Floyd. Yeah, and like the, the, you know, but also the, you know, the, the, the pandemic had swallowed up that story. And then, you know, the DA, the, you know, the DA at the time in Georgia, in Brunswick, was, um, was trying to cover it all up. You know, instructed, had instructed those, you know, the people that killed him to, you know, get rid of their clothes, destroy evidence, and so on. It was, that was really a mess. So that, that person releasing that video was really, you know, um, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember I was shocked. And mm-hmm. then George Floyd was killed in May of 2020. That's correct, yes. Um, wow, you're really taking me back. Because meanwhile, yeah. most some Americans who had the, the ability to work from home were working from home. Many were unemployed. Wow. So these are. Does this take us through the rest of 2020, or should I go to your website now? No. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, we can continue on here. Uh, 2020 uh, goes on, and we, you know, protests around you know stopping evictions, protests around you know police brutality, and just you know a lot of other you know ills uh, in the communities kept going on and going on um, through throughout the year until we got into. Um, the summer, and yeah. So you was that in DC? You... Yes, in, there was a, there was a huge march in DC that was led by uh, Al, um, Al Sharpton's um, group, oh, yeah. um, Nan. And yeah, that was August, and the um, you know the mall was filled. With, with people coming out to um, resist. But, you know, ultimately we all know what happened in the end. Um, but, you know, at the time, like, you know, everybody was very, um, 
hopeful you know, that we would you know get something done here. Uh, so after that was the was the election. Um, so Biden won, um, but you know the protests continued because you know Biden won. Nothing, you know, nothing actually changed. You know, trans people were still dying. Uh, the police brutality was still rife. Uh, we had Democratic counties in the United States, um, you know, doing a bidding of ICE, you know, which was another, um, which was, uh, you know, another uh, cause that started to come out of, you know, police brutality protests were also, you know, protests on, on, on ICE and their, you know, draconian immigration policies and, uh, you know, deportation of, of Latin Americans and Haitians and, and people of color generally um, who were, you know, in this country. So, um, you know, at, you know, some of those actions, the, you know, the police were very, very, very aggressive. Uh, they, you know, they had chemical irritants they were spraying, they throwing smoke bombs and you can see pictures of those I posted uh, um, on Instagram here and you know they there was a protester that they had uh, taken and pepper sprayed point blank and then hogatied her essentially and left her um, in a cell um, they took down um, two people again you know, chemical errands uh, sprayed point blank. Those people were heading to a sidewalk to walk away from the police, and the police rushed and grabbed them, dragged them down. Like uh, you can see a video I posted of their shoes popping off, and they were both wearing masks. And the police were screaming, "Stop biting! Stop biting!" While they had masks on their faces, which is you know what they do. It's a tactic. You know they you'll they'll have a million people on top of you. And you'll be pinned to the ground and they're screaming, stop resisting, stop resisting, because they know that it can't really be recorded cleanly on the camera. Because what they, because, because they f- try to force all of the people trying to document the situation as far away as possible in order to, like, you know, make their case. So these cops tried to charge <clears throat> um, these people with felonies, with assault on a police officer, with, with you know, all of these things that would have put them you know, in prison for, for a long, long time to try to get people just to stop protesting about uh, these issues. And it was, um, it was, it was, it was pretty crazy that all that was happening in a, you know, in a supposed liberal, liberal democratic stronghold. Because um, we all know that it really doesn't matter. <laughs> Democrat or Republican, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's money. So, so that, you know, so, you know, those months, you know, went on and that leads us up into, you know, what was supposed to be the, you know, data power in the United States. So as that was kicking off, like there was a lot of rumbling going on about, you know, you know, what the Trump people were going to do. And, um, they started coming out and, in support of police and in support of ICE and so on and so forth. And we, you know, there was um, an action. I was at another uh, um, stop ICE action in New Jersey. 
and they, you know, they, you know, showed up that day, and there were, you know, skirmishes between protesters, and it was being documented, and they were very, you know, sort of aggressive towards people who were who were documenting photographers, and they were accusing people of of trying to dox them and like follow them and so on and so forth when you know documenting the scene and so they um you know they ended up leaving that march and they were you know you know throwing up their white power signs and um walking away and and threatening people and so on and so forth and so they left and a couple weeks later um you know, Trump still had not um, conceded, and they were you know having all these rallies and you know stop stop the steal and so on and so forth, and it was everything was getting pretty tense, and so I started to you know think about you know where I, I wanted to be for for um, uh, for all this, and I was considering going to Georgia because there was a big Trump rally that was supposed to happen uh, there uh, while the while the, the Senate runoff um, yeah. you know vote was starting to to pitch up, and this is you know in the first couple days of 2021. So I ended up not going there, and I went to D.C. Um, I just went to D.C. on the fifth, and I ended up um, the night of the fifth at. Black Lives Matter Plaza in D.C., and there was a huge parade of Proud Boys and Trump supporters uh, walking through that area, and a very small, you know, group of, there there were a couple hundred of them and maybe like 10, 15 um, uh, counter-protesters on Black um, Black Lives Matter Plaza, and, you know, a line of police between the two groups, you know, so like the... If you could imagine, like the street that leads to Paul, St. Paul's Chapel, and then the White House behind that, you know, in between St. Paul's Chapel and the police line were like, you know, the the, count, the ten to fifteen counter protesters, and then hundreds of these proud boys just like screaming over the cops. And I was, you know, in the mix with all of them as they were marching around D.C. Uh, that night, and. You know, some of them were just rowdy and drunk and you know, getting themselves arrested for no good reason. And, uh, you know, others were, um, you, you know, standing up there with their, you know, their signs and their, you know, tr- you know um, their, you know, Trump 2020, fuck your feelings was a, was a, a flag that was, you know, <laughs> a lot. And so I was just, I was taking, you know, uh, pictures of all of that. And one thing was interesting to notice too was that there was definitely a schism between um, Trump supporters, I think, who were more sort of establishment Republican um, aligned, and you know, you know, younger sort of upstart, heavy MAGA people, and Proud Boys who were sort of clashing with these people, and they were they were they were getting into arguments and fights. And, um, I was like, oh, okay, this is definitely <laughs> this is definitely interesting because I hadn't spent. Uh, I know some you know, some other people who had spent some more time entrenched in in like the Trump world who probably would not have been surprised by that. But like I've seen it firsthand, I was like, oh, okay, this is this is definitely interesting happening here. And as I'm documenting all of that, I have so I hear someone scream out my name, 
and I turn, and I immediately recognize the gator, and I said, I sort of smile, I was like, hey, what's up? And he, and he was like, no, no, I know who you are. He's like, we know who you are. You're out here doxing people, and immediately all of these Trump supporters just turn and swarm me. Because what had happened was there was a guy who, um, okay, I I jumped the gun. There was a guy who kept stepping in front of my camera, and um, I was just like, what the hell? And I stepped to the side, and he stepped in front of me again, and he tried to, like, put his hand out in front of the lens, and I was like, and I screamed at him, and then in turn, like, that, (laughs) like, I brought up a bunch of attention to myself, and people, everybody turned around once I yelling at the guy, I was like, ugh. Then I walked away from him, and I pushed by, and that's when the guy came up to me, and he said my name, and he said, we know who you are, and accused me of being out of here doxing people, and he uh, turned his phone, and he had a picture of me, you know, with my last address, and my date of birth, and, um, like, just some stuff, uh, my full name, and it didn't surprise me quite a bit, because, um, this was a person who was at one of those New Jersey protests who was accusing us of doxing them, so I guess they were doxing everybody. They were trying to dox people in turn. Um, and the Trump supporters then turned around and started you know, started filming me and asking me if I was doxing people and so on and so forth. And it just you know, it became a little bit chaotic. Um, because I was, I was also on the live stream on Instagram, too, and people on the stream were like, oh, my God, get out of there, get out of there. I was like, it was, but, like, in in that case, it was, it was strangely, like, the, the Trump supporters were a buffer between, you know, me and, like, that sort of, like, Magna Proud Boy type, because they want to, like, you know, they want to talk and, like, tell me X, Y, and Z, and all the other people just want to fight, you know, so it was, it was, it was... It was a strange experience being there, like sort of like entrenched in MAGA world, because they they uh, you know they are not all together at all. It is it is there's definitely a striation to like you know their lines, you know. So this guy, you know, so then I became persona non grata. Anytime I pointed a camera at somebody, they were putting their middle finger up and like you know doing all of these things. So um, that's what that video is of. Uh, of, that's what those videos are on, on my Instagram of uh, Black Lives Matter Plaza. So, um, so after that happened, it died down a little bit, and, uh, and I became um, less of a of of, a, of, <laughs> of a, an attraction to their attention uh, because a Fox News crew rolled up, and this twenty-something uh, black kid. Um, had like torn his shirt off and was like screaming at the Fox News people and started a fuck BLM chant uh, with all these MAGA people. It was yeah, it was it was crazy, and uh, and they ran off the Fox crew. The Fox crew ran to the cop line and had to run behind the cop line for to to help. And then they were screaming and hooting and hollering about how they chased off you know Fox News. Fox News apparently is like the the establishment news source, and I'm like, what world is this? It was it was complete insanity. It was insane. So, um, so you know, that got less and less interesting as the night wore on, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna get out of here before this is more ridiculous. So I ended up going back to my hotel, 
um, which was just, you know, chock full of, of, of Trumpers. Like, they were just, they were everywhere in D.C. Every hotel, every cafe, every place, they were really just everywhere. And none of them were wearing masks. And this is you know, this is, you know, January 5th, 2021, not, not a vaccine in sight, just like everybody just, you know, out here doing the best they can with masks and gators and all of that, you know, so, you know, it was definitely a little bit tense, you know, <laughs> being in these places, so I, I got up in the hotel in the morning and literally they were just swarming the place, they were everywhere, so this is January 6th, and the reason why, I, you know, I forgot to mention, the reason why that January 6th was against, um, was a um, significant date was that was the day that they were going to they were going to certify the election for Joe Biden. Right. Uh, that's why everybody was in D.C. and that's why the stop the you know the stop the steal um, um, march and rally were planned. So um, I got up early in the morning. <clears throat> I went down. I knew a couple other documenters were going to be there. I tried to link with them, but it was, you know, it was just too much in, in all that crowd. And I, you know, ended up weaving through the crowd and taking pictures of, of different um, uh, MAGA people. You know, you had your different sects. You had your evangelical Christians who were having praise and worship in the morning and, you know, doing their whole thing. And then you had the anti-vaxxers and you had the... Trump libertarians, and you had the like, you just they had their alternate flavors of them, of them out there, and I'm just roving around taking pictures of everybody. You had your also, you had your your end the Chinese Communist uh, Party people. You had Black Trump supporters. You had you know just all of these individuals that uh, you know their common goal was to you know align themselves with this like you know fascist crazy person. <laughs> to uh to 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 you know hit their own ends you know um and i you know weaving through that crowd and taking photographs and i see metro pd start to run through the crowd and i was like uh all right so let me you know I take a look at what's going on here so i start to follow them and i follow them and they stop at proud boy and i start to take pictures and then his girlfriend or wife started to jump up in my face and yell and scream like you stop taking fucking pictures right now you stop fuck you stop taking those fucking pictures and the the cops pushed her away from me and and uh and uh she I mean she was she, she was looking at me like she wanted to cut my throat because they made her move and I kept taking the, taking pictures and she was trying to block me from photographing and uh, this Trump supporter behind me said to her, <laughs> um, he's trying to protect you, man. Like, you know, he's exercising his First Amendment right. And I turned around and I was like, where am I? Like this, like it was just, <laughs> it was, it felt like bizarre world. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, that, the, the, I, I was, I was not that invested in doing that. But like, you know, I'm definitely going to take, you know, photographs of what cops are doing. That's what I've been doing for the you know, better part of the last, you know, seven, eight months. So what happened was this guy had a uh, this large black-handled thing sticking out of his pocket, and I think one of the spotters in the crowd, because I think there were cops peppered all through that crowd. 
one of the spotters in the crowd had seen it and brought in PD. Or, uh, and they take it out of his pocket, and the guy had like a a, a six like a, a six inch tactical knife in his pocket, and I was like, oh wow, that's crazy because they you know they weren't supposed to bring guns into DC, which I guess all of them did and left them in their car, but that's 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 later on in the story. But so they they you know they take down his information and they give it back to him, and I was like. Okay, I'm getting out of here. And I, I like, because, like, as soon as those cops left, I'm pretty sure that woman, that crazy woman, was come chasing after me. So I just dipped. I got out of there. And I was like, what am I doing here? I was like, I'm, not only am I going to get COVID, like, one of these crazy proud boys is going to, like, notice me. Because, you know, just like before, like, I got recognized. And, like, you know, this person was spreading around my information. So I'm like, I'm like, this is, this is kind of bananas. So I, I'm walking through the crowd. I've been there all morning. And Trump starts to speak. And I just... I couldn't, I just, I needed to, like, I needed to, I was switching hotels, so I had all of my... Wait, oh, oh, sorry. I was trying to find your Instagram. Okay. Is this, uh, oh no, it's still the same day? Or? Oh, yeah, this is January 6th, okay. yeah. So <laughs> this is, I mean, this is where, you know, th- I'm talking about, like, the the... You know the shots of the crowd where like it's you know things like this and and you know in her and so on and so forth those are the people that I'm sorry uh, I didn't want to interrupt your flow so you mm-hmm. switched hotels so I yeah I, I, I needed I stayed in a hotel January 5th that night I stayed in a hotel in Arlington because there were no there was no availability for January 5th in DC proper so I had to bring all my stuff with me to the Stop of Steel because like you know it was too early to check in so I, you know, the, the vote wasn't going to be till later that night, and I, you know, I, I figured I'd been there long enough to cover, like, that end of it, so I decided I was going to go and drop my stuff at the hotel, which was a really, it was a really long walk, it was like a, you know, a half an hour walk, I was going to drop my stuff at the hotel, get a little something to eat, and then come back, and I did that, I checked in, I went upstairs, and I started, my phone starts blowing up. Um, and I was like, what is going, you know, what's happening? I was like, are you okay? Where are you? So on and so forth. And I was like, what? As I turned on the TV, and that's what I saw. Like, they had a live shot, a live uh, helicopter shot of the first person busting the window at the Capitol. So I I dropped all my stuff in the room. I, you know, loaded up my uh, bag, and I, I called a car, and I got back up to, the, like, the, the, the Capitol. And it was absolute chaos. It was, you know, there were, they had cops, they had gotten cops all over the perimeter, uh, but I was still allowed just to walk straight through. I watched, you know, the cars dropped me as close as they could. I walked up the, I walked up the lawn of the, the Capitol building, and they were, they were really, you know, charging and busting through there. Um, so I was at the, I, I, the stairs were the stairs up to the center where the um, um, the inauguration was going to be in a couple of weeks were completely filled, and I started to go up that way. But I didn't want to stay there because I, you know, I started to think like, you know, these people saw me from the night before. If I see them when I'm in there, I'm going to be trapped and I'm not going to be able to get out. So I decided I was going to go to the um, the eastern wing of the building, um, and. 
I can't remember if it was the Senate side or the House side that I went to, but I went, you know, I, 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 uh, I went left and went up to the side of the building where um, uh, the they were trying to the, uh, where they're trying to push in, and the the Capitol Police had successfully stopped them, and were now trying to push back um, and photograph there, and then they just sort of ran around the grounds and. You know, took photographs of different individual and video, um, which you know you can see on Instagram here of uh, of what had happened. Um, them busting through. I had a live video of uh, a couple of Trump supporters fighting. Um, there was actually a black and Asian woman were fighting a white man. Trump support. They're all Trump supporters, and you know the the guy was making the case that like you know everybody should stop and you know this is it like you know now we're fighting police this is an idea and they were like you know they were sort of like if not now when we're taking over this government we're doing you know x y and z and you know mind you they, they had they had erected a gallows in the you know in the front and you know they were um you know they were serious about what they were doing you know the the there's there are other documentaries about video of proud boys approaching the um the capitol building you know putting in earpieces so that they were some of the first people in. Yeah, uh, they were very organized. They went in there, you know, with purpose. You know, they to you know either to to you know, get individuals that they wanted to get to, or to you know get what information they wanted. They got you know, laptops and so on and so forth. But they, you know, they they were an organized group of people who were going in there to do this from you know these. Uh, Proud Boy-esque paramilitary organizations. I can't even remember all the names of them right now, but they were, you know, they were in there, um, and they were close to. They were very, very close to getting to Pence and getting to all the lawmakers. I remember there. the chanting "Hang Mike Pence." I mean, I saw this on TV, and yeah. I saw you on TV. Um, <laughs> I, I used to watch that. the Cross Connection with Tiffany Cross. Yeah. And uh, she had a, a picture, a still image of the protesters, and you were in the center. And I remember I called my mom, like, that's Sean Baltros. <laughs> and I, I wish I would have taken a picture of the TV, yeah. but you were right there in the middle. Yeah, no, I, I, never, I haven't seen myself in a few footage, which um, I'm, not, I'm actually kind of glad for. Like, that, <laughs> like, these people are crazy. Because after, so after the 6th, uh, these people started leaving messages on my my voicemail calling yeah it was you know, the same people that had you know quote unquote doxed me they were leaving messages from me and other and other documenters um saying that uh you know it was a bad day to be doxing people and like I was gonna have a terrible day that day and they were gonna come get me and so on and so forth and it was not to be taken seriously but they were doing um they were doing all of that to you know, try to stop people from going out and documenting. Um, so, so yeah, so that was, you know, that was that. And then after, you know, that happened, I got, you know, for a couple of weeks, you know, back at it with the retaliation protest. And uh, it was announced that Letitia James was going to be investigating this, uh, and suing the NYPD for their malfeasance. And, you know, so that, that week that's announced, I'm at a, uh, a protest uh, for this police officer uh, named Arden Prusayev, I believe his last name is, who had pulled a gun on a 17-year-old girl protester uh, 
and they're processing for him to be fired. And at that action, this is this is maybe two, three days before um, Martin Luther King Day, the uh, cops rush the protester line and start trying to grab people. And this one cop grabs a protester by the shoulders, brings his face down, he knees him in the face, and then another grabs him, and they just start punching him in the head. And I got that on video. This was a couple days before the... Uh, the inauguration, um, but uh, so that so then I decided um, to go back to DC for the inauguration, and it was just it was a ghost town. Um, all of the stuff that you know the you know many people said that they were going to do, and they were going back, and they didn't care about this. That makes it. I mean, obviously, you know, half of the you know, it felt like you know the entire United States Army was in DC uh, that week. So I just you know I just sort of roved around with other documenters I knew who were and we you know, just took imagery of what you know, we saw going on in the city and how locked down it was. Um, we basically were looking at everything through steel fencing and barbed wire um, that time, unless you had, you know, unless you were credentialed to, to be inside the zone. Oh, that's right, on your website under Inauguration yeah. 2021. Oh, look at the barbed wires! Yeah. The <laughs> Bank of America's boarded up. Yeah, it's all military. Yeah, I mean, there was the, the honor guard for, you know, the honor guard for, you know, uh, Biden's ceremony, and then there were, mm-hmm. uh, you know, snipers on the roofs everywhere within the uh, the, uh, the interior, the green zone, I guess they were referring to it as, so that's what I remember it as. Um, and yeah, it was really, uh, it was really something else during that time, but that I, you know, I had left to go to D.C. Um, a day early, and you know there was uh, a march from Brooklyn to um, to that I missed that from um, from Bar- I think it was from Barclay Center to City Hall. We're at City Hall, uh, where I guess because of the uh, Appalachian Park occupation. The police are pretty sensitive about that area, um, and they were at their ugliest one. Uh, one of their ugliest that night, just you know, like chasing and beating people, dragging uh, a, a trans a woman um, organizer on the ground um, before throwing her in the back of a squad car and calling her dude and. Uh, you gotta get up to and like stuff like that. They were just they were just being their miserable best. Um, so you know, that was um, yes, yeah, so that was that was MLK uh, Day 2021. So you know they they really started the year. The cops really started the year, just really showing how little they cared about everything that happened the previous year, and they were right to because in the end. The you know Democratic Party completely sold out uh, all of the you know all of the, the the promises and the showing that they made of how much they cared and like their ridiculous kneeling with kente cloth and just all of the all of the ridiculous <clears throat> bending over backwards they had to try to placate people during that time ended up being exactly you know zilch nothing. Yeah. You know, they, they they turned on everyone with this whole, uh, no, I never wanted to defund the police. And then they, you know, they tr- 
trotting out Cory Booker out there to say that it was a scurrilous, uh, you know, a, a scurrilous accusation that Democrats wanted to defund the police. And maybe that's right. Because Democrats don't want to defund the police. They want to continue to give money to all of these arms dealers and, and you know, and police and, you know, protect the property and the, uh, and do the billionaires bidding. You know, we, I, we really do believe we live in the, um, you know, we live in a society that is ultimately ruled by a few insanely rich people, and you know, police are a good way to you know bribe parts of community into um, you know sort of turning their backs and you know defending the interests of these people. You know, and uh, Eric Adams is like a like key example of that. You know, this this guy, and I mean, and also, I mean, Eric Adams' ascent to the mayorality in New York is is definitely an indictment of the Democratic Party as well. You know, you have this guy who is a historic Republican cop who, the night he won the Democratic nomination for mayor, you know, went out to dinner with Bo Deedle and John Casamitidis. One, John Casamitidis is a former, um, uh, you know, police union um, head who was a big Trump supporter and Republican. And Bo Deedle, who was the um, the MAGA uh, candidate for mayor, running against De Blasio. And these are the two people that that Adams is going to go to dinner with, and like he wins the Democratic nomination. He's like, oh, he can have friends of all stripes. It's like, okay, can we cut the crap now? <laughs> like, can we cut the shit and stop like pretending that this person gives a damn about any sort of progressive values whatsoever? He's a Republican cop, and he's the mayor of New York City. It's, it's the Democratic Party is lost wow. just as much as any other. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so, you know, in through 2021, it was, you know, they, we had, there were just more and more, um, you know, fights to be had. Obviously, um, you know, we continued to um, move for the rights. Uh, I mean, the um, we continued the movement for, um, you know, defunding the and it's about brutality, but you know, also what became really important is the, um, the movement for um, uh, trans rights, particularly. Um, the, the, you know, as the actions started to, to die down and people were forced to go back to work during the pandemic, you know, the numbers were less and less and less, but the, you know, trans rights protests as far as like a, a a, cons- uh, a consistent um, uh, protest that was going through the streets every week um, stayed, you know, stayed alive for you know months after a lot of other stuff had died down. So, you know, um, definitely put a lot of effort, um, definitely put a lot of effort into those um, trans rights protests, and they lasted uh, a good amount of time. And then, you know, then the you know continued. Um, Saga in, um, in 
Palestine, particularly Sheikh Jarrah, um, uh, became um, an issue that uh, uh, people started to go out and march for and build protest actions for, and um, and so on. So, you know, it just became a, you know, trying to, you know, rightfully unite. Um, Unite the struggles of all individuals in this world that you know, need help. You know, this, you know, there were you know, environmentally focused protests. There were you know, free Palestine protests, and and so on. Uh, so later that year, um, so that um, I'm sorry, not later. Uh, that year was also the the verdict was being passed of the. Uh, Derek Chauvin trial. Oh yeah. Um, so that was my uh, first trip to um, Minneapolis. Uh, so we went, um, planned to go for the uh, to be in Minneapolis during the trial because Minneapolis is really the you know the 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 heart of the 2020 movement. You know, without um, it starting there, I mean that was where Floyd was killed, so it was going to start there. But they really. Um, started it all up and um, that week that the um, verdict was going to come down uh, or the week before you know, a police officer killed a young black man in Brooklyn Center Minnesota, Dante Wright so not only was the verdict coming down for that but then also you know, the, the actions um for Dante Wright were happening at the same time and you know the police were were really um, you know intense <laughs> again like up there you know using you know all these siege tactics and like you know tear gas and, and smoke bombs and all of that I mean I wasn't I wasn't there for those actions but like you know there, I knew a lot of people who were and you know they had they had lined up press and like made them lie all over the, the lie on the ground and they photographed everybody's credentials before letting them like leave this like area. They you know they uh, protesters were using a church for sanctuary and they had you know they had a you know must have been like a hundred and fifty cop phalanx around this like church in the in the subsequent nights to not allow protesters to be able to get reach there. If they decided to give chase, it was, you know, Brooklyn Center really was, you know, indicative of how, I, you know, I think it was in my mind initially indicative of how little policing was actually going to change by trying to, um, uh, you know, go through um, legislative means. It's just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense because they just, nobody has the, even, you know, nobody has the stomach to do, really do anything about it who uh, we currently have elected or they just don't have the power to do so um, but that was really it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't shocking but it was it was um, really indicative of how you know little police departments made any moves to, to really change um, so so yeah 
I'm having a bit of a, a time to remember we're going to speak about this in sort of a concurrent timeline. Uh, but, you know, um, I think that, um, you know, what we, I think what we just have to come to at all is, is that, you know, community members need to always sort of be more involved and, and try to reach out to people more, um, try to change minds about all this stuff. I think people have a people have a an idea that, you know, police keep them safe and it's because they're told that. You're just told all the time the police will keep you safe, the police keep you safe, but they don't. They just siphon money from communities, just millions and billions of dollars. You know, and they don't they don't do anything. You know, they show up after, you know, anything happens just to clean up or make more trouble. Yeah, they don't you know. prevent crimes. Right. I was reading the history of police when they went to defund the police, mm-hmm. and they said in America, um, it's not a slave patrol. So, they, so this, the plantation owners, slave owners, hired poor white men, largely, to patrol, and if any slaves escaped, to bring the slaves back. And then once slaves are emancipated, the, the plantation owners still needed someone to, to get their... Well, they're no longer their property, but they're indentured servants back, yeah. and then they became the police. They they were never there to protect the people. They right. were there to serve the interests of property. the landowners yeah. of property. property. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know it's not you know the the you know if in the you know twentieth century the police in you know New York City is an example. You know the police. Were essentially, you know, filmed with with immigrant classes that were not regarded as, you know, like acceptable people either. You know, it's like you know, when Irish, Italian, German immigrants were coming here, they weren't like, you know, they weren't weren't uh, acceptable Anglo-Saxons. Like, you know, they got solely folded into whiteness as like they needed to be, and like, you know, here we are today as you know they were. segregate themselves from black people in terms of ownership of generational wealth through you know housing programs and stuff like that that were eliminated from like all the things from the, the GIs that came back after World War II the promise did not extend to black people. So like, you know, there's this idea uh, that, you know <laughs> somehow like black people just don't want to be able to succeed in this country when like all the tools that were given to these like people to be able to do so we're not giving them people. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so right. So like you know, just continue to go on and you know document and and um, try to be part to I mean, better, you know, anything from like like the pro abortion protests and actions that have been going on for a long, long time. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it's it's now because Roe v. Wade was lost. It's uh, it's you know in the news over and again. But like you know, clinic defenses and things like that that community members have been doing for a really long time are still ongoing, and um, you know, continually, you know, Palestinian actions are going on. Police brutality protests continue to go on. Just with the past couple of weeks with Tyree Nichols, and I'm sure there will be more. Um, fortunately, but. Mm-hmm. 
just keep on pushing until the day we can figure out a way to actually get some movement. Wow. I just want to say you've done a great service as young people say to the culture and documenting, <laughs> you know, like, that's what my students say, you know, like, you documented life, uh, American life throughout the pandemic. Um, and it's really, seeing the photographs, it's, right. I, it's really, I'm really grateful that you did this because I was inside, I was not leaving my apartment, yeah. um, and you were traveling. Yeah, well, no, of course. Uh, but, like, you know, also, do. I mean, there's there are a lot of, you know, there are a lot of people who were out there. I mean, I wasn't, I still wasn't out there, like, every day. I was out there a lot. But, you know, there were, there were folks who were, you know, they're considerably younger than me. <laughs> the energy for it. But that were out there every day, doing it every day. And, like, you know, that, that, that you know, you know, their conviction also is, is, is hardening to see because, you know, you need... So like you know, people to know that like it's you know it's necessary to do this, yeah. and and there were a lot of them. Um, so were you um, flying or driving or taking a bus to these different states? No, uh, I flew. Well, yes, I, I took the train to Philadelphia, uh, DC, and uh, I flew to Minneapolis and Georgia. Do they require like the COVID vaccination card to travel? I, you know, I can't. I, I can't remember the time. I know they required masking. I think they did. For some places, yeah, they did require proof of vaccination after, uh, after a while. But you know that was short lived, also because you know, yeah. get everybody back to work. Yeah. <laughs> like, telling people COVID's over while everybody's getting it. Um, they don't want to. <laughs> they don't want to stop the flow of money. <laughs> you know, like they are like, wait a minute, no, 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 no. We gave them way too much money during this lockdown. Now they think they were now they think they can stop working. We tell them they need to work. Well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I I was listening to one of the New York Times Daily podcasts where they interviewing people who were laid off and were getting the the COVID money. Mm-hmm. And one man said he could finally sleep eight hours a night and read a book. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that's like basic living that he couldn't do before. It's true. Like, him and that, and that you know, the, the, it, <laughs> like, the, they, they, they know what would be necessary to make people whole, right? Mm-hmm. Like, give people resources, don't make them have to work, you know, 12, 16 hours a day. You know, like, give people who need housing, housing, you know, just do all those things <laughs> like that's that is you know to to curtail all of these social ills like all it takes is the will but like there are some people who really feel like that is not their problem it is not a necessity to try to help people yeah you know so you're 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 you're, you're not just like i mean you have to just wrap your head around the fact that you're not just fighting um people who have much to gain from the way things are, but you're also fighting people who have nothing to gain from the way things are, but have a philosophical, uh, um, have an intense philosophical attachment to this idea that their, you know, their trauma and suffering is something that other people should endure. Mm. You know, uh, like, you know, like just, like imagine like being, you know, a a person who makes $65,000 a year 
caping for somebody who makes six point five billion. Like it's just like I think like this is unfathomable to people what like the difference between these numbers are and where that actually comes from. Like, where where do those riches come from? And it's not their effort. Like mm. these like Jeff Bezos is not working a million times harder than like the janitors that work at Amazon headquarters. It's just not happening. You know, so like, you know, it's just the the fact that the fact that people think it's dis, a disgusting idea to pay people who work at McDonald's or you know janitors or retail people a living wage is insane. You know, it's just they people really believe like that is like I mean, why would you pay those people <laughs> to be nothing? It's like they're not nothing. They make your life go by. Yeah. I mean, they make your life work. You know, they make it easy for you to exist in this universe where you know, capitalism is trying to crush you every day. Yeah. yeah. I was listening to an economist, economist on Planet Money said that America's not a democracy, it's a corporatocracy that's run by corporations and <laughs> right. corporate interests. So that puts yes. into perspective. Because I remember when they were telling Americans that they go back to work during the pandemic, but even though people are still dying, it's like, oh, because right. the corporations run yeah. America. Well, just remember, there was—I mean, there was a Republican um, congressman who was like, who was making the case that that it was a shame that that Congress wasn't giving um, grandparents the the choice to let the economy proceed and. Die for their grandchildren's well-being. Like it was, it was, it was the, it was. I mean, it basically said out loud like everything those people are, are about. You know, they were like, you know, like why, why, why is it that we're making a decision? This like this idea of freedom only when it, only when it it, it props up capitalism right. is just is just what what their whole deal is. Wow. You know, and it, it's really. It was just out on Front Street for like everybody to hear and see. It was incredible, you know. And even even Cuomo, like you know, the you know when when Cuomo, uh, you know, said something to the effect of like, if we tax all the billionaires, there won't be any billionaires. I was like, who gives a shit if they're billionaires? Like, who really cares if there are billionaires out here? But like, oh, that guy was the worst. I like one of the worst parts of the lockdown was sitting, you know, on my couch on social media, just fuming at people praising that guy to no end when he was arguably part of the problem in the first place, like closing all these hospitals with his austerity, you know, measures. But he just... Cuomo, getting Zaddy Cuomo and all that, just it was so maddening. It's like, no, this guy's the worst. <laughs> like, why is everybody now on this guy's bandwagon? And he... You know, if 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 those facts have not come out about how much he was uh, harassing employees and also how much he was lying about what was going on during the beginning of COVID with decisions he made, it would you know he would essentially be a front runner for running for president mm-hmm. in this country, and he's terrible, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember walking yeah. through Queens and there were hospitals that were closed, and I was like, "Why are these hospitals closed?" I didn't know about austerity because mm-hmm. because uh, they were saying, "Oh, there's not enough hospitals." Well, 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean he, he wasn't calling it austerity. He was calling it, uh, right. you know, whatever. Uh, budget cuts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like minding the budget. But, <laughs> you know, this, uh, all of that, you know, Cuomo was, Cuomo was, you know, a, a very uh, swirly uh, Democrat there. It's so good to hear your perspective because you were like on the ground witnessing how people were people's lives are affected by these policies. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. well, I, it wasn't just. I mean, it was everybody. You could see it just being at home watching the news. Like there were people, you know, at, you know, in twenty twenty, you know, March, April, twenty twenty. There were you all you heard about were people, you know, having to deal with loading bodies into refrigerated trucks. You know, like that was. You know, that was, if, if, it's just like, you know, if, if all of the struggle to find a way to get people help during the beginning of the pandemic were an indicative of how many problems we have, whatever will be. Mm. It's almost, it's almost a little bit defeating to be out sometimes. It's like, What has changed coming out of that? We haven't made any. We haven't made any fundamental changes that will that will really help um, people, you know, going forward. I, I, I like. What have we done in terms of uh, um, health uh, um, care? Like what? I mean. After you know, like you know, after all of those those um, those bills expired, it was just like, all right, well, go back defending for yourself. You know, if you if you haven't gotten vaccinated at this point, well, sorry. <laughs> like, which I mean, people should have gotten vaccinated. But at the same time, like, people are still getting sick. Mm-hmm. Even if they were vaccinated, they were getting really sick. Yeah. And like, you know, there was nothing to be done about it. Um, after a while, but then, like, even if it's not COVID, if it's, like, if you don't have health insurance and you get sick, like, it's still, you're just dealing with the emergency room and whatever bills come from that, and we don't have any, we don't help people do anything to change this at all. That's true. And people, I interviewed someone who had gotten both the vaccines and the boosters and then got COVID, so. Yeah. I mean that. I mean that's the reality of the situation too. It's like we. I mean, unf- I don't know. I, I I do. For all. Of, for how terrible the Democrats are, like I do believe, things would have been different in. In twenty twenty, if Trump was not president, um, if anybody was president above Trump, I guess you know that wouldn't have. Um, really been uh, as terrible, but, you know, we had one chance to eradicate. And it involves everybody getting vaccinated as soon as possible before um, before the winter of 2021 and just didn't do it. Like, you yeah. know, eradication at that point became impossible because, and also, you know, like, needed to you know, get vaccinations, like, to everyone all over the world, like, kind of at the same time, too. It needed to be, you know, a global initiative and not having people wait and not having, 
you know, poor people be sort of incubators for mm-hmm. more um, um, contagious versions of this virus. And, you know, we just didn't do it. You know, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't make that happen. And, uh, you know, so yeah, now you get vaccinated and you still get, I mean, I got, I got COVID once and it was December, 2021, the beginning of the Omicron surge. Okay. So yeah. I never, I had, Omicron is the only version, uh, the um, strain of COVID that I've had. Yeah. But obviously I got that after having two shots and a booster. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's just now we, you know, vaccine, um, efficacy, I mean, it's just like, like eradication is just not, I, I just don't think it's about, it's not a possibility at this point, it's according to, you know, whatever I've heard from the science and science people. Uh, but, you know, the, it's, it's, I, I imagine, I guess at this point, it's going to be, you know, kind of like the flu. Like you just, yeah. you know, you, you, you get your flu shot, you get your COVID-19 shot for, I guess, were they, were they going to try to charge $130 per, oh, per dose? <laughs> right. I was shocked. Yeah. Well, I mean, right. <laughs> right. America, you know, like it's like we just, right, you know, just, just continuing to do the worst things for yeah. people, allowing business to, allowing business to trump community like every time. So, but yeah, that was, so that was, uh, that's 2020 through 2023. <laughs> I mean, I guess we're not really, I mean, I guess what Biden's saying, it, by May, the the uh, the pandemic essentially like legally the pandemic is over. Whether oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think he know they uh, oh. the, he announced that the um, was it the I don't know was it the state of emergency yeah uh, is is going to end. So oh. all sort of pandemic benefits and all that kind of stuff are, are going to expire and and. Um, Stuff, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. Wow, thank you. I was so excited to interview because you were out outside, as people were saying you were outside. Yeah, we were all inside. <laughs> there was, yeah, I heard a lot of uh, there, were a lot of we outside. Yeah, yeah, being about 20 to 30 years older than <laughs> you know, a lot of the people that were running around out there, I definitely, I definitely heard all the all the stuff the kids say. Yeah, <laughs> so you were outside, and I was, I was outside, yeah. so excited to, to walk through your photography, and you've done such great work for the culture, so Thank it was you. an Thank honor. You. Thank yeah, you. thanks for having me. It's great. Cool. Right. This is awesome. Stop. Thank you for listening to my conversation on this episode of Black America and COVID, an oral history project. If you enjoyed the episode, then please give it five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. The more five stars the podcast has, the more visible it is, the more access I have to people who would like to share their story living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. If you are a Black American and you would like to share your experience with me, then email me at sonykilleru at gmail.com. The 
emails in the show notes of the podcast, or direct message me through my Instagram account, Black America and COVID, all one word, all lowercase. If you are a non-Black American and you would like to memorialize the life of a Black American sadly lost during the COVID-19 pandemic, then email me as well. This episode was written, produced, and audio engineered by me, Sonia Jean Killebrew, podcast host and executive producer. Thanks for listening to my oral history project, Black America and COVID.